You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Sometimes I say, oh, well, that's done once for all. What does that mean? Ah, it means you never have to do it again. It's over and complete. Exactly. Well, the writer of Hebrews today is going to say that Jesus did something for us that's done once once for all. all. Such great news today on on More Than Ink. Well, good morning. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we're sitting here at our dining room table like we always are. And you are so welcome to be with us. And I don't know where you are, but here the weather is kind of changing. It's starting to be a little bit chilly in the morning. And it feels like summer's coming to a close. Coming into one of my favorite times of year in the fall. Things change. We love the fall because it's just evidence that things are just done. They're quieting down and it's time for a change. Yep. So so we're glad that you put down your gardening tools or your lawnmower and you're sitting with (laughs) us for a little while as we take a look into the book of Hebrews in this this uh, solid food section where oh, we're contrasting the old and the new covenant and the role of Jesus and all that as our high priest and all this and the blood boy we talked about a lot of blood last week uh, well blood, we blood. left off with that thought at the end of uh, verse 22 in chapter 9 says indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood purified with and blood. without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins and that's the key issue if, that if, sin is the issue. If sin is not dealt with, I mean, our sin, if that's not forgiven somehow, uh, we are, there is no way mm-hmm. you're going to participate in the promises of God for for good, for the good he, in, in, you know, he has in store for us. And that's, you know, that, that in fact, when we go back and we look at the whole Exodus story, by mm. the way, we should tell people what oh, we're going to yeah. do next. We're gonna, we're, after we finish Hebrews, we've decided we're going to go and, and explore Exodus. Exodus with you. I think that would just be a great thing because we keep coming back to it here. And Well, the story is so central. I mean, that is the giant yeah, acting is. out of the salvation story. It is It is key to the whole Bible yep. in many, many respects. But uh, but it was a real event that, that really happened, and it teaches us a ton about the bigger, more, mm-hmm. more substantial reality of us participating in God's promises for great life, you know, which is what he promised to them in going to the promised land. So, I mean, we'll make well, all those connections. And it's very organic to go there after studying Hebrews. And that's often the yeah, way, you know, when I'm so, studying yeah. large passages of scripture, they often lead me into what my next big study should be. Right. I've been teaching women's Bible studies for a lot of years, and that's very often I don't have a clue what the next one will be. People are always asking, where are we going next? I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah, Let's know. see where we get to from here. And so that's kind of how studying the scriptures can work to mm-hmm, take you mm-hmm. into the Old Testament. You're like, yeah. well, you know, I've been referencing all of this stuff about the temple and the sacrifices. Let's go to yeah. Exodus. If that hasn't raised a curiosity yeah. about Exodus, I don't know what will. <laughs> so that's where we're going after so the, we finish Hebrews in and, a few weeks. And we'll keep pointing back to what we're talking about today in the next couple of weeks as we go back to Exodus. Because because he's doing it here. He's presuming you're a Jewish reader and you know Exodus right. by heart. Which we don't because we we're don't, not. Because we're not. <laughs> exactly. But we have the story. Yeah, yeah. And God makes sure that we can understand it. So we can catch up and go read it. So that's what we're going to do. Anyway, so we are in the middle of chapter 9. 
and uh, and and he's he's tying to tie together why it is that the new covenant is so much better, better, better mm, than better the old covenant, and how Jesus, as our high priest and as our sacrifice, uh, can bring us uh, bring us near through the blood of Christ into the presence of God Himself and into His promises. So that's what we're looking at, and uh, and the issue was the forgiveness of sins, and that's where the role of Christ's blood changes the whole game for us because. We have life imputed to us through his blood. Right. We can yeah. become the righteousness of God in him yeah. as we ended last week with Second Corinthians five twenty one. Right. So so that's where we're going today. So we're picking up the, the whole story in uh, chapter nine, verse eleven. Um, no, actually, we're moving into verse 23. Uh, 23, sorry. Yeah, I, I flipped my pages. Yeah, I thought, hey, 11, didn't we do We 11? already did that. Yeah, 23. So 23. So I'll, I'll pick it up from here, okay. and uh, we'll see what's going on. So he says, thus, you know, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. The copies was the old temp- right. uh, temple and stuff. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices mm. than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Let's just stop it right there. Hmm. So, so that's what he's talking about. Remember, he talked about the fact that the, uh, that the temple and what went on with Israel and all that kind of stuff, but especially the temple, the imagery of the temple specifically designed by God to be a teaching tool to tell us about the more substantial but the invisible realities, the spiritual realities of living with God. He says this represents all that stuff, so it was very carefully put together to be kind of a tutor to us, to be a teacher to us about how we participate in the promises from God for life. And, and so we're coming back to, so he's saying right here, so look, Christ entered not into a, an earthly made temple or tabernacle, but he actually entered into the heavenly ones, the real ones, the ones in which we also follow with him to come into the presence of God. So while you're saying that, I'm thinking about, do you remember the gospels record that when Jesus died, mm-hmm. the veil in the earthly temple right. was torn was torn yeah. top to bottom and the holy of holies was exposed right. so god made sure that when the reality happened in the real heavenly temple oh. the earthly temple the cop- was made to show it the copy followed suit yeah i had never yeah. really put those two things together quite that way before and in real time in real t- <laughs> it, it happened in the instant yeah in real time mm-hmm. in fact i'd written down you can go look at those if you want to in matthew 27 oh yeah or mark 15 or luke 23 it's at the end of all those stories mm-hmm. and, it, and it also has a really interesting uh, way it stated, it says that the it says that the curtain was torn from top from to top bottom, to bottom, which says who did in, the tearing? It was initiated <laughs> from the top, right? Well, who can reach up to the top of right. that? Nobody can. It wasn't a man-made thing, but it's something that God Himself did, symbolizing the way into my presence is now open because of the death of and my son. God opened it. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone missed that symbology. <laughs> it was pretty evident. Well, I don't know. I can only imagine the horror on the faces of those who were serving in the temple when they suddenly realized that the Holy of Holies was exposed. Well, and any schmuck could just walk into it. I mean, any of the I, I could see the Pharisees just having fainting spells saying, oh, the, the masses of the unwashed will now just walk into the presence of God. You go, well... Yeah, actually. Well, you know, they wouldn't have all been in there to see it happen. No, I don't know. True. There's a lot of room for kind of imagination yeah, here. Yeah. But the those three Gospels 
recount that for us. I yeah. mean, it was clearly important in their minds. Yeah, yeah. But but one of their one of their roles in their thinking was was to protect people from going into right. the holy of holies. Right. So now that has that has all been busted and busted by God. So their, their job about keeping right. men out of God's presence. That was their job. Right. <laughs> now has been superseded and turned on its head with Christ, our high priest, who gets men into God's presence. Hmm. It's just really, a, it's a remarkable reciprocal change. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really something. So, yeah. Okay, uh, so the writer says here that he went into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Is that where you stopped? Yeah. So in this passage we're going to look at today, this word appear in English shows up three times, but they're all different yeah, words different. in the greek they're yeah. related but they're all different but this one uh, is he he exhibits himself in person mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. presence of god yeah like yeah. i've been there i've done it and here i am right i remember he the writer called him a forerunner who yeah. goes ahead of us the captain who we follow right. behind it's exactly what he's done. He's gone into the presence of God not in a man-made temple but right. in the real temple in the real what do you want to call it? The real living place of God right. to come into his presence. And he, the son of man, our representative, right. is standing before God, exhibiting the reality yep. that now we are welcome there yeah. through what he has done for us, his sacrificial yeah. death. Yeah. So Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are just copies of right. the true things, right. but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God. On our behalf. behalf. He's there representing us. That's right. To That's speak right. for our good. Right. He's gone in ahead of us and said, there's more to follow. <laughs> yeah. He didn't just come here, do the thing and go home. Right. 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 The whole purpose of it was to open the way for us. Right. Which is why I was saying as a high priest, his job is as a mediator is to bring men into the presence mm. of God. And, uh, and the Old Testament high priests, you know, they they were told, don't let anyone in here except the high priest once a year. So they felt from a very privileged position that their job was to keep people away from the presence of God because, well, you'll right. die. <laughs> holy, 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 you can't come in here. Right. And mm-hmm. Christ says, nope, we're bringing them in. Here we go. Right. Yeah. So he's appeared on uh, in the presence of God, in the presence of God, in in the presence of God, which according again in the Old Testament was something you never Nobody wanted to consider. Nobody could be there. You mm-hmm. just don't want to know. And, and it's because of our sin. So now on our behalf, he goes into the presence of God on our behalf. That's a perfect role of a mediator, someone who is between us and God and who facilitates our coming to the nearness of God. Yeah, that's just a great picture. 25? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we we say these things and I just come to a complete stop. It's I'm kind like, of stunning. What can, it is stunning. Yeah. What can we say? Yeah, yeah. But just hold still and hold our tongues in yeah. the presence of this reality. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I have to admit, when I put on my Jewish cap and I think about how a Jew would think, you know, the presence of God, the presence of God is toxic to man because man is wholly sinful and there's no one there's no one who escapes that sinfulness and and so that's that's a message all through the old testament and in the new is that our sinfulness is toxic and it actually deserves it the wrath of god separates us from yeah, god it separates mm-hmm. us and 
And man, it's just a tremendous problem. So for a Jew to think, you mean to tell me that you're saying that Jesus, this man, is some kind of super duper high priest who can go into the very presence of God on our behalf for us, for our benefit? It's like, no, this is so. So really all the way through this, a a Jewish mind is just kind of breaking all the way through this. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is against everything we've ever thought. You cannot come into the presence of God and live. That's just, we know that because we're sinful creatures, but that's how complete and that's how perfect the payment of his blood is and how superior it is on our behalf. Because now we can, because as we said from last week, there is forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. Should we move forward? Yeah. We can just keep blabbering okay, all day. Okay, verse 25. <laughs> Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly no. as the high priest entered the holy places every year with blood not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all Yay. at the completion or the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay, mm. we have to stop there because, because yeah. first of all, we have this appeared again as it oh, is. Yeah. He's appeared yeah, yeah. once for all. So this is a slight kind of a variation on the previous mm-hmm. word. It means to make it real. Yeah, right. To right, make right. it visible and mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. once for all. So that phrase is going to show up, and we've already seen it a couple times in Hebrews, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. shows up three, four more times. Shows up in Romans. Shows up all over yeah. the place once for all. Yeah, I saw that one in Romans six, Romans six ten. Say for the death he died, he died to sin yes. once for all. Right. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Paul is pulling from that imagery right. in the temple again, right, right there in Romans six. Yeah. Yeah, it's really something. And and even as you read through the rest of Hebrews too, this once for all theme is pretty dominant. We've already seen it. Uh, a couple places already and there will be more so this once for all and i I like it too because he says you know in these uh at the end of the ages to put away sin he's appeared once for all so he's kind of saying you know if you stand back and you look at the entire timeline of of human history it turns out that in the timeline of human history jesus comes into that timeline in this one spot and in that one spot he puts away sin for all time right yeah, it doesn't in the, have to be or uh, Paul uses the expression in Galatians the at the fullness of time. Fullness of time. Right? Yeah. When at the fulcrum of everything. Yeah. Yeah. The word became flesh. Now, for the Jewish mindset of a Messiah, this is really <laughs> wrong because the Messiah is supposed to be a kingly guy who brings justice through his power and uh and and rakes over the coals the guys who, you know, personally benefit from injustice they bring on other people. I mean, he's a he's a righteous judge in that sense and he's powerful and his kingdom never ends. So so when you see right here that the Messiah himself is not only our high priest, which they could probably swallow that, but he is indeed our sacrifice mm-hmm. and the sacrifice of himself. So you're saying that the Messiah has to sacrifice himself. Right, to put away sin. In order to put away sin and to complete his mediator role. And that's just a brand new thought. And for to put away too. sin once for all. Once for all, yeah. Just it, literally abolishing yeah. the repetitive sacrificial system. Yeah, it's just it's just a massively kind of what effective thing is what that is. So so he's done this. He's sacrificed himself. This is just a brand new thought for a Jew, and it, it's blowing their mind once again. <laughs> but he's appeared <laughs> once for all at the end of the ages. Do you realize that the first century was the end of the ages? 
it's the, the fullness, the completion yeah. of the whole process. Yeah, yeah. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And and then he and then he kind of caps it off in twenty seven, and he says, "So you know, just as it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Well, so Christ, having been offered once—that's the death once—having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time, but not to mm. do with sin, but right. to save those who eagerly waiting for him. Right. Ooh. He's yeah. going to reappear to be clearly discerned. Right." Right, and and there there is no do over. He doesn't need to no. do a do over. It's done. So now the process is in place for us to benefit and participate in the promises of God. And sometime soon, we hope, <laughs> He's coming back. And he and and that's really good news for those of us who eagerly mm-hmm. wait for Him. Who eagerly wait for Him. I mean that that reminded me in the end of. Paul's second letter to Timothy, when he closes that out, he, he talks about how he's going to have the, this crown getting at the end of the oh, race. Uh-huh. And he says, and not just to me, but all those all those who loved his appearing. I just mm. like that. So it's really an interesting idea when you think about the second coming of Christ. To, to a, a vast amount of mankind, it's not good news. It's I mean, there is a sense in which right. their conscience is telling him judgment is coming. But for those who eagerly await his coming, it's just the best news it's ever. It's only good news because it is the yeah. completion of the whole story. Yeah. And because, you know, 2,000 years ago, he bore our sins. Yeah. Yeah. So the phrase that always has really attracted my attention here is in verse 27, just as it's appointed for man to die once, Mm. and after that comes judgment. Yeah. So, you know, what did Jesus have to say about that? When do we die? We already made reference to Romans 6, where Paul says he died to sin once for all. Once for all, yeah. So when do we as believers die? Mm -hmm. Right? It is when we come into Christ and enter his substitutionary death for Mm -hmm. us. So let me just remind you here, Jesus said in John 24, John 5, 24, Uh, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed passed. out of death into life. So we have in some hugely real way died Mm -hmm. when we entered the life of Christ. And that was a huge shift in my thinking. It was been a number of years ago now when I stopped thinking about me getting more Jesus into my life and started understanding that what really took place was I entered the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. And all that remains for me now is the death of this body because the dying to my old life already took place when I came to trust him for my salvation. I just don't think that that is clearly understood by a lot of believers. Right. Because I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ and it's no No longer longer I who live, live, but Christ who lives in me. I just don't think we grasp the reality of that. Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners, I would say go to Romans 6 and read the first 10 or 11 verses Mm, where Paul kind of unpacks that. Have Romans 6, like 1 to 10 or 11, open in front of you. Look at John 5, 24, and put those things together. And then we just quoted Galatians 2, 20. It's not I who live, but Christ. Yeah. Right? Put those together and and ask yourself, what does that mean for me? Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. I have I died to my old self and become a new creation? Yeah, yeah. And and Paul uses so often that phrase, Christ in you. 
Christ, Christ in you. In Christ you. in you. Christ in you. And that's not just a kind of a throwaway phrase. Well, he says that's the mystery that's that the mystery. God has been yeah. unfolding in him. And you in Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this mutually in each other kind right. of thing. So when we talk the new covenant, we're talking about something that's radically different than trying to please God by sacrificing goats. Mm. Or right. sacrificing anything. Or sacrificing anything. I mean, it, 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 that sacrificing brought a constant reminder of the fact that, you know, it it, it um, affirms our conscience that says, boy, deep down inside, we are really nasty things. We're nasty work. and no, so we're just broken at the very core. We're just very broken, yeah. And so the new covenant actually goes to, how do you want to say this, to fix that problem. Yeah, because God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. Give you a new I'm going to write yeah. my laws on your heart and you will know me. Yeah, exactly. It's no longer about checking off the boxes on the list. It's yeah. about who you are internally in me. And now we're, we're returning back to that Jeremiah 31 thing that he right. quoted and says, yeah, and you, you won't say to each other, they know me because they'll all know me. They'll well, how can me. we know God unless we can come into his presence? And how can we come into his presence unless we are sinless? Our sin is forgiven yeah. and cleansed away and God does not remember it anymore. Right. That's what he explains at the end of that Jeremiah yeah. passage because he's just forgotten it. It's just not, it's not going to be between us anymore. I, I like that because when I talk to people about real forgiveness, Forgiveness. Real forgiveness isn't denying the fact that sin right. exists. I mean, sin exists. You've been offended. You've been hurt. I mean, and those are those are real things. You don't want to say, "Well, it's not that bad." Well, it is that. It bad. is that bad. Yeah, it's really that bad. And uh, and God's perspective on forgiveness is 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 not saying that it didn't exist. No, or that it didn't matter. Or that it didn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What God says is the payment has been paid for that sin, and now we're just not going to bring it up anymore. Right. Indeed, <laughs> it mattered so much yeah. that there was no other remedy than for God Himself to absorb the cost of it right. for us, because we could never pay. Yeah. Yeah. And that contrast, the contrast of our conscience telling us that deep inside of us at our root, we are twisted. Mm-hmm. And yet deep at our insides in a place that we can't fix, but God can, the blood of Christ has changed us. And we died. We died. We died. We died with him. <laughs> and entered a new life, right? right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if you're in Christ, the old things have passed They've away. Passed they away. have died. Right. New things have come. You are a new creation yeah. in Christ. So the new covenant applies to my life the moment that I give my heart to Jesus. The moment that not, I not when I die. believe him that yeah. what he did counted for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that that's why the new covenant is just so remarkable it fixes us finally uh, where all the frustration in the past was that and he said this is that you know the law and the old the old covenant it, it can't fix anything all it can do is tell you boy right. you're really messed up <laughs> in fact i like it when paul when paul in second corinthians talks about the new and old covenant he calls the old covenant a ministry of death that's right a ministry of death because all it does is it points to the fact Mm -hmm. that what you're doing is causing death but then he contrasts that the ministry of death he calls a new covenant the ministry of the spirit right and the spirit gives life and the spirit gives life and in another place he calls it's the same place actually he calls it not only the ministry of death the old covenant but the ministry of condemnation right and that's what the law did it tells us how messed up we are in contrast to it's now the ministry of righteousness. He's creating in us righteousness because of the righteousness of Christ. What a, what a huge contrast. 
A huge contrast, that is, in the new and the old covenant. So no wonder when he says we're we're eagerly waiting for him, we're going to see him face to face when he comes back that second time, yeah. clearly discerned. That's possibly that completion of that time of reformation that the writer of yeah. Hebrews had referred to in back in chapter 9. He says all of that is just a picture until the time of reformation. Yeah, until the time, until things are really fixed. Until things are really put right, They're ultimately put right and finally. Finally, which is that word perfect again, teleos, the end point, until we get to that mm-hmm. end point. But we're not at that end point yet. But it's coming pretty soon. So, you know, there's a lot of people who think, even some Christians who think when they die, they're going to face God and there's still going to be this, you know, well, did you do sinful, enough sinful. good stuff? Right, Were right, you right. good enough? Were you bad enough? Are they good enough to Which get way into my the heaven? scale's going right. to go? But this passage says, hey, you die once mm-hmm. and then that then comes the judgment. Yeah. Right. So for we who are in Christ, that death happens in us at the cross of Jesus. When we come to the cross and believe that that is sufficient for my life. Right. Then we've died and judgment has taken place on our sin. Now, we will face to face with Jesus and be evaluated. We will. (laughs) Paul says that. We're all going to have to give an account for what we did in the flesh. But that's not a judgment unto life or death for believers. So, you know, this is really important for us to understand. It's appointed to die once. And after that comes judgment. Yep, and uh, and the simple truth is in the new covenant, you what you need to do is embrace Jesus as your high mm. priest and embrace him as your sacrifice lamb who's right. died on your behalf. And if you think any amount of your works on your behalf can make you any cleaner than his blood can make you, right. then you're actually blaspheming God himself. So actually, this is what we are proclaiming when we drink the symbolic wine. Yeah, in, in communion. communion. Yeah, exactly. His death counted for me his life i am taking into myself and it is becoming me i am becoming alive in him i'm taking part that's the covenant we're proclaiming by that symbolism yeah yeah remarkable changes well next week he's gonna continue this discussion because this is this is all Mm. mind-bender in so many ways so so we hope that you join us as we continue to look at this but the symbology of the old testament is not lost in a jew a little lost on us but we keep kind of coming back to exodus and filling in the cracks requires some mental work but it's really it's an astonishing view into god's big plan for us and the reality not the shadow and copy but the reality of our salvation so i'm jim and i'm dorothy and we hope you join us next week on more More than Than ink Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. There we go. There we go. Practice makes perfect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>